Let me just eliminate all of the white noise for They're you. They're counting on you not understanding what this is all about. They want to create conflict. They want to create this chaos. They want you to be stupid. This is the Conservative Daily Podcast with Joe Waldman. Yeah, I'm a threat because I'm telling you what the Constitution says. And Max McGuire. The flak is the heaviest when the bomber is right above the target about to open the bomb bay doors. And now the Conservative Daily Podcast is on the air. Welcome back to another edition of the Conservative Daily Podcast. My name is Max McGuire. And my name is Joe Oltman. Today, we are going to, we are, we have a jam-packed, jam, jam, jam-packed, I guess, roundtable. We're going to talk about election fraud and election security, and we're going to bring in some of the most brilliant minds out there. Not the only brilliant minds, but some of the most brilliant minds and some of the people that, frankly, I, uh, I'm just, I'm just grateful to be in this fight with. We're going to be joined by Jovan Pulitzer. We're going to be joined by Colonel Phil Waldron. We're going to be joined by Patrick Byrne. We're going to be joined by Professor David Clements. We'll be joined by Max McGuire. I didn't miss anyone. I think I got everybody on it. Yeah. So let's go ahead and bring them on. We're going to talk about election fraud. This is a panel to talk about what is really happening in Maricopa County and what has happening across the country. They are not going to be able to run away from it. That's why the mainstream media has done what they've done. It's going to be, uh, you're, going to, you're going to get a lot of information here. And we're going to talk about the fact that the audit in Maricopa was an audit, not a recount. Max, interesting enough, they say that, oh, the same number of votes that Biden had previously, actually he had more votes this time, prove that he won in Maricopa County and that he was confirmed yeah. winner. That is not what an audit does. And the findings inside the audit are not only scary, but prove that the election in Arizona should be decertified, as well as um, we should never be using Dominion voting systems in any county, in any state across the country. So let's welcome our guest. Yeah. Hello, everyone. Hello, hello. Hey there. Max McGuire, hello. How are you guys doing? Awesome. Okay, listen, this is going to be a little weird because we're all going to be talking over each other and those things. But, Patrick, I'm going to let you start this off. And, by the way, uh, thank you for everything you're doing, the America Project, the things that you've done on the, the uh, Arizona audit, wow. the things you've done across the country, the things that you did in the deep rig. Um, wow. You know, I don't think the American people can thank you enough just for the commitment and not only time and effort, but also in the financial sure, stuff. Sure. This right. country was better to me than I than any actual talent or merit deserved. So why not? So I'm going to let you start, um, but we're, I'm, you're gonna, I want you to just tell everyone. Everyone knows who you are, but I want you to tell everyone who you are, <laughs> just mm-hmm. to those that don't maybe don't know who you are. Um, and then if we could just kind of move around, we'll talk a little bit about of all of you, and then I'll come back to you because you just put up a post that I want everyone to follow as well. Um, that they can follow you on locals that that kind of walks through um, some of the election fraud and what's happening in Maricopa County. So, Patrick, floor is yours. Sure. Well, I'm an entrepreneur. Most people know me as. However, they may know less that that I had just after graduating college, I had cancer a few different times, and I spent basically my 20s dealing with it. During which I, having not being able to hold a normal job, I did a PhD in philosophy and at Stanford, who was wonderful to me. I know that we have lots of tension between the academy and society today, but they were wonderful to me. 
And I really ended up focusing on the intellectual history of the U.S. Constitution, which is what I was really most interested in. And so I take all this stuff quite personally because I think that this is a, a, uh, a subversion. And you're a lifelong libertarian. Never voted Republican or Democrat for president in my life. And if and, uh, and not a Trump hater, when he won, I felt just like when you know when uh, Barack Obama won. He won fair and square. He's the president. So I didn't have any feelings one way or another. But, and but and this and, isn't coming. I'm not doing this because of uh, you know I'm some. However, I don't. So I say I don't hate him, and I spent some time with him, and I actually kind of got along with him. I'm probably not his favorite guy, but uh, anyway, I'm okay with him. But that's not why I'm doing this. You're doing it because you believe in the Constitution. You believe in this country, and the people in it. Right, on the nose. Yeah. So I'm going to I'm going to walk around, then we're going to come back to you. But uh, Colonel Waldron, many people know you. Why don't you introduce yourself to those that are listening? Uh, Phil Waldron, retired Army officer, and uh, happened to be in this uh, mix because. Uh, we had a small team that started studying Antifa and BLM, their activities in the summer of last year, uh, which led to a lot of uh, following the dollar trails and a lot of, uh, you know, open source, uh, publicly available research and uh, found the link to the elections. And uh, we kind of shifted gears, realizing that uh, Antifa and BLM, all the activity was, was just a ruse but that the center of gravity were actually going to be stole. The elections were going to be stolen. And, uh, that's actually when I first met, uh, first met Patrick, I believe in, a uh, sometime around June or July. And, uh, then August. he came uh, here to August. Yeah. Something, something like that. I think we came out to Utah to meet you. And then you came to, to Texas and, uh, right. saw some of the things that we were putting together and, uh, pretty much predicted, uh, everything that was going to happen, how it happened, and even briefed, uh, sent a, sent a two-page summary to the White House, a couple of different people on October the 20th, the 19th and the 20th. So uh, had a little bit of foresight into uh, predictive analysis of, of the elections. And and you're working with several groups across the nation as well right now. So this is not you, you're actually trying to coordinate some of the groups that are working on election integrity. Um, you know, the, you have the uh, U.S. EIP. You have the things that are going on with Mesa. You have things that are going on in Antrim. You have other things that are kind of brewing as some of these uh, audits are underway. And you've been really instrumental in making sure that that information gets shared amongst those groups. Correct. Uh, you know, anywhere from having conversations with legislators about uh, updating and up, up, uh, modernizing their state uh, electoral uh, election integrity statutes um, from anywhere from all across the all across the South up to uh, the Carolinas and, and several other states to uh, talking to people how you would we would set up an audit, uh, what the purpose of an audit is, uh, not just a recount, but uh, a full forensic audit, which is uh, exactly what we've been talking about since uh, the Gettysburg hearing with uh, Senator Mastriano in, uh, in the state of Pennsylvania. And, uh, and I think you may hit on that a little bit for our uh, low information, uh, low integrity media operatives that uh, don't understand either uh, through cognitive dissonance or willful misinformation about what a full forensic audit is versus a recount so that that's something that i look forward to discussing tonight well i think a recount is a recount right 
<laughs> this was not a Count recount. This was this was an audit. Exactly. This was an audit of the recount. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta let everyone um, know. And more importantly, an audit of the system. Offline. So our Facebook stream so was just taken offline. Out? Apparently we're back up and running now. But uh, I guess there's too many <laughs> there's too many keywords <laughs> that are they're sending off all of the uh, all the sensors. So Jovan, everyone knows you. Um, from all the different shows you've been on, trying to spearhead the, the different kinematic artifacts and the things like that. Why don't you talk about uh, who you are to anyone who doesn't already know? Um, if you haven't met me, the disconnect when you uh, hear me is I'm a nerd, yes, hiding out in a biker's body, so it's a big disconnect <laughs> when you look at this face that God gave me that makes it look like I want to beat your ass instead of teach your ass, but I apologize. That's kind of the way it is. But my thing is bring the technology angle to it. And I've always asserted, you know, it's fairly easy to trick machines. Like Patrick said earlier in something today, if it's got a power cord, it can be hacked. And that's why I believe we need to really focus on the paper. If our country was founded on an incredible document, the Declaration of Independence, we cannot let our country fall flat of its face and end over something as simple as an election ballot. That's why I focus on the paper, because looking at the paper and the physical items in the audit, envelopes, et cetera, you can actually triangulate what happened with a digital, bring a better case and create physical evidence at the same time. It's great. Let's move. Let's move. We're going to do a quick introduction. One more, more. Javon, welcome. Uh, Professor David Clements, give everybody a quick update on who you are, and then we're going to jump right into it. Okay. I'm a longtime prosecutor turned professor, and I saw what happened on November 3rd. I was the first person with my credentials to say that after evaluating all of the lawsuits filed, that all of the cases were dismissed on procedural grounds, not for evidentiary purposes. And uh, that appears to be the case. There's been a handful of decisions where you had token evidentiary hearings that were set for about one hour. And out of that, you had a stream of propaganda telling us all that you sucked. And that's just not. And so since then, I've tried to uh, interview many of the many of which uh, the people that are on this podcast, I've gotten a chance to talk to and uh, highlight the evidence that's out there. And uh, that's been my chief contribution. And it's been a great contribution. So let's just dive right into it. We know that the Maricopa audit just happened, right? They just finished up the Maricopa audit. And one of the things that, uh, you know, that, that came out of that w was the fact that there was many drafts that went back, back and forth from Cyber Ninjas to the Arizona Senate. And they tried to clean up not just the um, executive summary, but they tried to clean up the audit and pulled out information. So, Patrick, oh, yeah. tell us what you learned about this. Obviously, the, the Arizona audit wouldn't have happened without you. Well, they have been calling even sub-sub-sub-contractors sub, in the relationship putting pressure, and the calls have come from senators and lawyers who work for senators, my understanding, and the pressure has been of the nature of every time you use such and such a phrase, It'll be a hundred thousand dollar fine, and we're going to pull your cloak of legal. You, you can't be sued because you're a contractor. We're going to pull that from you. That they were making these these threats up and down the the chain, and so it's been this real arm wrestle about what what they stood up and what got in and what got in the report and not. And my understanding, 
Well, there was one report that leaked. <clears throat> there was a report that leaked that the other side jumped on, but it turns out it was a quite early version and relatively benign. But then there was a, but didn't keep them from writing stories all about it and acting like it. Uh, so the later version that leaked uh, had really some stunning language in it where it points out the truth that they, they had, they, given everything in the report, there's no reliability in the election. It should never have been certified. It can't be certified. If we put up page yeah. two, uh, Mr. Producer, you have the PDF. If you can put the PDF and go to page two, um, people can read exactly what you're talking about. And you had, go ahead, keep talking, Patrick. And then notice that September 24 in the upper right. The, the, the copy that leaked on Friday morning that the press was all gaga about was, okay, scroll up, please. Scroll up, please. Uh, up keep again, scrolling please. Up. Keep scrolling up. Stop. Right there. Stop right there. Okay, stop. No, nope, uh, oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Down one, down one page. There you no, go. I, stop. There we go. Stop. Now run okay. away from the computer. <laughs> so you see it, what is about 60% of the way down the page. Uh, it says 57,734 ballots with serious issues were identified on the audit. These issues include improper voter registration, improper votes, discrepancies in the registration. This is a conservative estimate, as there were other identified problems that were not quantified or included in that total likely resulting in a much larger number of flawed ballots. Additional, additional issues identified are backdated registrations, multiple voter registrations linked to the same voter affidavit, voters without records in a commercial database, printing defects, rendering thousands of ballots as suspicious. And, and here's the punchline. In the 2020 presidential election, the margin of Victory was only 10,457 votes, a small fraction of the 57,000 ballots with known issues. Again, this is almost six times the margin of victory in the presidential race and is multiples of the margin of victory in other races. Based on these factual findings, the election should not be certified and the reported results are not reliable in bold, in the original, in bold. So that was in there. And now that version of the report, which came later, was not written so much about the press, but that's the one that, uh, so what do you know about that, Joe? Well, I know that uh, a source gave me access to this report on Friday and I put it out to everyone on Friday. Uh, I was with uh, Professor David Clements at the um, uh, Reawaken uh, tour in the, the one in Colorado Springs. And so we just started sharing it. We all got together and we started sharing it out to other people. and and uh, put the what was marked as a draft um, out into the general public. And r right away, you had CNN and everyone else that came out and said, hey, if you see this out there, you have to ignore it. I, I think, uh, David, it was within like an hour. Wasn't it within an hour of putting it out? They go, hey, if you see this out there, you can't just do Just run away from it. Do they not read it. Please do not draft. read it. They ran with their yeah, draft it was and still have those headlines <laughs> up, but this one can't be seen. <laughs> it was a swift response, but... We had to get it out there. Yes, and Jovan, they pulled your they pulled your information from the the audit the, the records from the volumes. They pulled it. Well, 
my uh, my original report for this particular report was 80 pages because um, all of mine is not only here's what happened, but here's what it looks like when it happened. So you have physical evidence that goes with it. So uh, in excess of 20 key things that were in there, there were only three that were mentioned in page three uh, of that report. You can find it on 5.2.7.1 uh, of the report. Uh, but if you were to look at this report in totality, uh, in my estimation, only 50% of actually what was found and meaningful is literally in this report. There are incredible things that were discovered that should be talked about publicly so people understand it. But what's most important, these things are not only infractions in the voting system and the way it should be handled, but all of them can stand alone enough to be over the limit that's needed that this margin of what was won in this election. That's what's so egregious about it. But for the first time, our eyes are open and you're seeing the multiple ways, because that's what this really is, the multiple ways elections can fall apart and put the wrong person in office. So, so who wants to take on all the other things that showed up in this audit? Oh, gosh. There's... There's so there's so much, and and again, our low information or uh, idiotic media that uh, is putting out that well, it was a recount that showed that there were 360 more votes, uh, and, and maybe they really don't understand the difference in you know SQL log deletion files that don't show up in the Windows access logs, uh, and maybe they don't understand that. So maybe it's it's our job to help educate them, but uh, this SQL uh, server management software that allowed database level changes that don't reflect in in the uh, in the voting system software is problematic in the setup and the fact that there was open ports that allowed people to get in past the router uh, directly connecting to the servers to make changes at the database level deleting millions of files deleting uh, hundreds of thousands of files the day before the equipment was turned over for the audit those are all criminal obstruction charges. And uh, the, the attorney general should have a field day with, with this and the security tapes and the people who are responsible. Uh, it, there's a difference in authority and responsibility. Uh, the board of supervisors are ultimately responsible as well as the recorder. And they have the responsibility to make sure that these systems were operating effectively. They were not by any stretch of the, the imagination. And let me point out, how do you even estimate that imbalance of something like that, like discovering that actually the ports were open and a whole bunch of thousand people logged on and that you can tinker with the database. There is the software on there that's not even supposed to be on there, a Microsoft SQL software that lets you interrogate and manipulate database that even, I think by law, shouldn't even be on the machine on it. So you can change the database and there's no log of anything. So that, how, how do you even estimate what that does? Can I take a, Joe, can I take a crack at the list you were looking for? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. It's kind of funny. One way to read the report, the correct way to read it is not, oh, it shows that Joe Biden is still won by 10,800. It says, it says that there were, a day before they delivered, they wiped out a million files. What they delivered didn't tick and tie. There were 255,000 votes that were quite 
uh, that didn't have any real provenance. There were another 280,000 that were sketchy in some other way. There were a conservative 57,000 that just seemed to be absolutely illegal to have accepted. One component of that being 17,000 votes that are simple photocopies, four photocopies of the same ballot. And on top of that, there's 15 crimes like the one that Phil just mentioned that you don't even know how to estimate. And if it turn a blind eye to all of that stack, Joe Biden won by 10,800. So the, the mainstream press says, well, you see, Joe Biden won by 10,800. It's either the reading comprehension is a sixth graders or the fix is in. Yeah. And Jovan, you you put some stuff in there that I thought was interesting that that relates directly to this. And that's the the hundreds of thousands of probable fraudulent ballots that never made it into the report. There's the, the good thing about elections is there are rules. The bad thing about this election, nobody paid attention to the rules. The good things about ballots and printing ballots, there are rules. Bad thing about this election, nobody paid attention to the rules. And in this process of trying to ascertain what was real and what was not, it was very easy to see where the system went wrong because nothing was cross-verifying with their reports. Now, here's what's really interesting. Doug said this when he was talking to the Senate, that when you get an audit, everything should be able to cross-check everything else. That's how you audit it. Ironically, none of the numbers that the state or Maricopa released would cross-check, but all of our internal work in different areas all triangulated on all the same things. And so in this election, very simple things occurred in all areas. Like, number one, there's over 300,000 of these ballots that simply did not treat every voter the same. We can talk about criminal stuff. We can just talk about the 14th Amendment, no equal protection under the law. Literally, there's so many things to talk about. There is no possible way that this election could have been certified or should have been certified. I frankly think we just need to wipe it, go back out in 30 days, redo it again, see what happens. Well, well tell me what you mean by wipe it. Are you saying wipe the election and just go clock? out there and do another well, election? Yeah, I, I'll give, I'll give you a good example. It happened in New York City about 60 days ago. As we were all going through this audit, New York City had a problem. And the problem, <laughs> I think it was some primary for governor running off. All of Mayor. a sudden, certain person won, and there was 135,000 extra votes in the system. How'd they get there? With test ballots loading up the machine. Well, of course, the Democrats fought with each other and said, hey, I was supposed to use that trick, not you. It was my turn. So they all started fighting. And it, since it was spread across so many precincts, they decided, okay, let's just wipe this. Let's just redo it. And lo and behold, they were able to redo it in 30 days. Boom, have the election all over again. The same thing here is if you can show that every voter was not treated the same and we're finding more and more and more and more, it truly is as simple. There's many things, but it could be say, look, this just wasn't run with the same rules. Let's just run it again. Yeah, and there's no way to unscramble this egg. Phil and I were using that expression with each other by about November 5th or 10th. There's no, and you know, it's going to turn out that, and Jovan or Phil might want to explain this, uh, that the mo <coughs> heaviest vote, <coughs> it looks like 10% 10 voter suppression and 5% voter you know, ballot stuffing. The, the suppression is disproportionately in the in the uh, 
precincts that skew Latino and Native American, I believe. Do you want to explain why that is, Jovan or Phil? A, a good way. Phil may have some, too. I'll just drop in what I have. If you look at some of these uh, voting precincts, remember Maricopa, the BOS, who I now refer to as the SOBs, who don't want to say this election was done correctly, right? If we just look at District 1, Jack Sellers came out, said this is all junk, but it's the same fellow we see with pictures of Chinese officials. So if we just look at his 137 precincts, a few things pop out that he had the most individual precincts that flipped from R to D in this election. But also more importantly, even though he won by a razor thin line, his uh, adjudication of provisionals, in other words, deciding what would be kept or not in his precincts was in excess of 100% more in most all of his areas over other precincts. You can clearly see the heavy hand where he had heavier rules. I think it's what kept him in office. I think we just lost Phil. Uh, we'll bring him back had, on he as he comes back on. Okay. He had a commitment, so he had to drop off a little early. Um, I have a question, and I hope someone can answer this, because it's been funny, funny, as funny as this kind of stuff can be, to watch the mainstream media try and debunk everything. It's kind of like in Georgia when they said they debunked the video before it had even been released to the public. They're trying to debunk things, and it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. One of the claims was that the duplicate ballots was because when people didn't do their signature right, they would get called up and they'd go back and they'd fix their signatures. If we can put up, we have a couple images of some of these ballots. Put up image number two. Image number two. This is a duplicate ballot, and we're told it's because they had to fix the signature. But on both of them, well, you have there to look. No Be fair, guys. This voter's name, if you look at the ID, is named Spot, and that's exactly what the <laughs> yeah. signature says. Spot. So come on. It gets it gets worse. <laughs> I mean, if you put up image three, if you put up image three instead, look at that. That signature is unintelligible. They brought them in and they did the same unintelligible signature, and then they stamped it with the approved. Stamped it with the approved. And one more, if we go to image four, this one doesn't even have a spec. Doesn't even have a spec. It's just empty. And lots well, of people are trying he to He identifies out. as Casper the Friendly Ghost, so there is an excuse for that. It said Casper. I saw it. I saw it. But put that back up, Max. Put that back up. I want how, to did point the stamp, out how did the stamp get below the triangle? How On did the that right happen? side, look how they verified and approved is below the triangle. How did that happen? It's below two triangles. You can see the top triangle and the bot and the side triangle. How does the well, approved stamp let, fall below the let triangle? Let me share one with you. That's obviously... They approved this, obviously, with no signature. Would you agree? Yes. Yes. So this is technically no signature. There's no signature. We can't use it. And early voting, that was the number one rejection of the votes. There was no signature. Therefore, how can you look at this and say this is not equal protection under the law? Because <laughs> on election day, as these were counted later with no signature and approved, in early voting, especially in Republican districts, the number one rejection, no signature, it didn't match. So how does it get below the That's triangle? not equal production. No, and no one's had an answer. Is it a mistake? Is it, is it an ink mistake? Are the triangles no, like a little glossy? No, it was printed on different layers in a different order than the, the it should have been up. if it was a legit ballot. So, Professor but Clements. To Jovan's point, to Jovan's point and there's additional problem with it as well. 
but yeah, it's printed. It was printed in the wrong order. So the triangle is on top of, it had already had printed approved. Uh, but it's supposed and, to be hand stamped. Yeah. Yeah. I'll print that <laughs> on top. So it's Professor Clements, obviously. Yeah. Professor Clements, you're an attorney. You were a prosecutor for many years. What, what are you seeing here? I mean, you've gone through the report. You've read the the executive summary. What are you seeing here? And, and, and what is the mainstream media doing that makes sense to you? I mean, I, I mean, I'm, you know, tell me. Yeah, it's, um, I feel very conflicted because on the one hand, you have more than enough to decertify. And so, but, but the, the conflict or the frustration is while we've got far more than the margin of victory, the supposed margin of victory, we're all questioning why the auditors were undermined and so one of the things that comes up is we hear about we hear about um, this pressure being applied to uh, Doug Logan. Now, he's under a contract of some sort. People like myself look at contracts all the time, and we know that one of the defenses to formation is duress. And so if, if his free will is being deprived consistently through threats of economic fines, I sure hope that Doug Logan has an attorney that's looking at that because that's an issue for the other side to try to remove someone's free will because they want him to sign off on this and stamp, give it his, his, his stamp of approval. But um, that, that's a problem. So you've got automatic built-in defense there. Number two, when I look at that report, you see the, the use of very amorphous terms like issues. What the hell is an issue? Could you be more vague? And so when you yeah. don't have precision in your language, that looks very purposeful to me. Um, you know, known issues. Is it illegal or not? Are we dealing with something that meets the threshold of fraud or not? And the <sighs> fact that we've compared two different drafts where one calls for decertification based on that and the other one leaves that out, um, it looks like there's a lot of different hands stirring the pot, so to speak. So those are the things that, that, that jump out to me um, the challenge, I think, for the American people is one of advocacy. How do we advocate with what we've got, knowing that there's more than enough? Um, I think that there is a silver lining blessing through all of this because we're able to expose uh, some of the politicians involved because we obviously did not get what we paid for. You know, a lot of us were talking about <laughs> fundraising. A lot of us were talking about making sure that different groups got their money. And then you find out that our auditors who are trying their best are, are being twisted and turned in different directions where we don't get Jovan's findings. We don't get the real Doug Logan report. Um, and so the buck's got to stop somewhere. I, I was very, very quiet on, you know, Karen Fan, for instance. I want to give her the benefit of the doubt. I still want to. But. Boy, but, she folded. She folded, too. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but that was my frustration back in May when I heard that they weren't complying with the subpoena. In, in my line of work, when someone doesn't comply with the subpoena, you get a motion to compel. The other side has to show cause. And if they don't, they're sanctioned. And there's only two remedies under a sanction, which is a fine or jail time. And that happens across America. And it seemed like her response was always, well, we'll issue another subpoena and be ignored. I, so I just can't, I can't understand it. Has it happened that the subpoena is issued? And based on my reading, it sounded like data was deleted the day before the audit. Is that correct? Yeah. The day before the audit or, or just a few days before the audit? And Maricopa's defense 
is that the subpoena didn't ask for their archive data, so they had no obligation to hand it over. I, that yeah. just it blows my mind because that wouldn't fly. Wasn't in that any subpoena three lawsuit. by that time? Yeah, it wouldn't fly that in any subpoena civil three. Lawsuit. It wouldn't apply to any criminal proceedings. The idea that oh, it's not on the hard drive. Well, you didn't ask for the super secret hard drive, Mr. Government, so I'm not going to give it to you. Um, yeah. It just it just Let seems to fly out. in the face of the law. Let me point out that is yes, we've had some stumbles, and yes, this they got played this way and that. We finally have it up to the transom we needed it to get to. It's on the table of the Attorney General of Arizona. And it happens to be an Attorney General who he knows what the right thing to do is, judging from that letter he wrote a couple months ago, pushing back on the DOJ when they tried to threaten people in Arizona. And he wrote back and said, let's remember we created you and you don't threaten us for looking into our own elections. So that showed he had some spine. He wants to run for senator next year. Any politician who does not get sink his teeth into this issue has no chance in the coming year in the Republican Party. Republicans will detest any politician, and it's not the kind of issue they can give lip service to. That guy can be president if he wants to be president. If you know he he needs to sink his teeth into this issue and expose this. So even if we did get only half of Jovan's stuff got in and this that and everything. There's now someone with a with a gun and a badge looking at this. He's got a whole team of guns and badges, and he's now we got his attention. We got his attention. So I don't think I don't I think that he would do the right thing anyway. And let's remember the guy is running for Senate. If he doesn't, if he tries to sweep this under the rug, I would assume that ends his senatorial prospects because well, or, Arizona's are really angry. Well, well, or does it, Patrick? Because they're stealing elections. Look, look what they did in California. I'm trying to get the uh, information that I can send over so I can show you the comparatives when we start talking about math and science. And, Jovan, I know that you've been messing with this, but what, what if he, he's playing for the other side and they said, hey, don't worry about it. You're going to run for office. We'll, we'll make sure you win in the next election. We just need you to sweep this under the rug. That's a real possibility given what we're actually facing right now, don't you think? It could happen, but I think uh, Professor Clements can answer this better, knowing that these uh, serious infractions and crimes were done, if it's being sent to him, Professor Clements, and he just refuses to react, isn't there recourse by the people now that we've got this on the books? Well, yes and no. I mean, I, I've looked at kind of this game theory where normally in, in a court of law, you'd have a county sheriff that could process a criminal complaint. You, you take it to the elective county attorney or district attorney, and you could convene a grand jury. And I, I prefer it at the ground level. So Maricopa County would be a perfect place to take your evidence and get a grand jury and get indictments. The AG usually has concurrent jurisdiction and can do the same thing. Um, but there, there's some problems here. Um, number one, when you follow the money, it looks like the sheriff and the county attorney have had donations that were, were submitted through George Soros. And so there, there's been a, a lack of, of, of urgency to do anything. In fact, they're the ones that fought the subpoenas and uh, the, the acquiring of the machines to begin with. So we've got someone like the attorney general that in theory should act on behalf of, of the American people. But what we saw was a what appeared to be a slow walk over the past four months. And I say slow walk in the sense that we never got the routers or have we? Um, we talk about um, the kinematics, which we haven't seen that you're that you're privy to. 
we talk about uh, the authority to do a canvas, and yet a canvas wasn't done because of the perceived threats of Merrick Garland. So we had a strongly worded letter, which should have sent a signal to Karen Fan and the audit team that we've got your back. And instead of acting on that, we didn't. We weren't the beneficiaries of that that canvas. So the, the three most powerful tools, in my estimation, and I'm not an auditor, would be Jovan's kinematic findings, the router information, and the canvas. And what are the three things that are missing from the report? I mean, so yeah, we've got evidence, but my my fear is that we're talking about once again issues instead of the hardcore evidence that any prosecutor would want to take and say i can i can get a conviction beyond a reasonable doubt um so my, my fear is as the clock is running you know is this guy going to drag his feet or not um so let me because, ask you a question just firsthand if in fact there's fraud you know there's counterfeiting and there's fraud just asking from an auditor's standpoint just a hypothetical question and there is absolutely bona fide proved fraud it doesn't make it in is there recourse? Does the Senate have an obligation to release that fact and not hold it back? Yes, I, I well, they absolutely have the obligation. That? Well, the other thing is, as far as the the Attorney General's involvement, yeah, we want to see justice, we want to see indictments, we want to see prosecutions, but the the constitutional authority to regulate these elections resides with. The legislature and my position has always been you don't even have to have a special session because we're not talking about a new bill that needs to be signed off by the executive they have the constitutional prerogative to make sure that our elections are safe and secure and so i i think they could they could take up a vote irrespective of the position of governor doug ducey and so that's one way to to, to rein in and get some answers and that's going to force the other the other side to get this into a court system because they're going to want to oppose that. And so we just need to get this fast tracked one way or the other. Um, but as far as holding them accountable, the way that we normally hold people accountable is through elections. We don't like them. We throw them out. And so this kind of goes back to Joe's point. Um, as long as they're controlling the machines and we have questions over the paper, it's like we're in this circular hell. Yeah, and I so think that's my I think that's my fear. Go ahead, Max. Well, I was just going to ask real quick. You mentioned that there wasn't a canvas because obviously Merrick Garland was saying it was racist. If you dare ask anyone if they voted, there was a separate canvas that was run independently. And when I'm reading this report, obviously there's there's no official coordination between the two. But when I'm reading the report and I'm seeing things like mail-in ballots voted from a prior address, like mail-in ballots. Um, more ballots than voters, things like that. It, it's ringing true based on what that other canvas found, which was that there were people who voted and it wasn't counted. And there were people who said they didn't vote, but somehow they, someone did vote on their behalf. Are there, is, is there any way to, to connect the two or is it just, are they just too far apart because they weren't conducted together? Do you have any takeaways, you guys? Well, I, I'll say this, that there's no reason why a legislature that is voted by the people can't adopt findings made by the people as long as they are certifying and and, and you've got some legal um, veracity to the document. So if Liz Harris is uh, swearing uh, and she's submitting herself to the penalty of perjury, that's something that can be taken and examined by the legislature and, and Karen Fan and incorporated through an amended report. There's no reason why that can't be folded into the audit report and, and, and used. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that's that's certainly a possibility. 
Patrick, what's your thought? What's your thought on the the next step? If they, you know, we know that the crime's been committed. We know that we have more than enough evidence to convict. What if What if they say that they're not going to do anything about it? What if they say, Ah, you know, well, that's I great. We're not going to do anything about it. Patrick, you can you hear me? Yeah, up. we can hear you. Yeah, we, we, got got you. Yeah, yeah, we got you. Everything throws up for a bit. Well, you know, I guess we're a bit disappointed because I do think this could have been a touchdown. It wasn't. It was a uh, – but I think that was more a matter of presentation. There clearly was an effort to water things down. In terms of material, I think it was a, um, a first down, maybe even a 20-yard pickup. I mean, we now have a very, very clear picture for the first time of how it happens in some place, uh, which will, and, and I, you know, it's, to me, it's kind of silly when I see these, you know, the mainstream media can say, spin it as they will. Oh, this shows that the Biden won. It's just so funny. You saw the list I ran through. I'm not going to repeat it again, but that list of things you have to turn a blind eye to that, that kind of thing. I think it's start. I think the, the wig is slipping on the media. I, you know, I'm going to be interested to see what the polling numbers come out with and show what percentage of Americans think that the, the election was rigged. But we'll, you can't we'll even, but Patrick can't even believe that. And, and I got to tell you, when I was on the stage on Saturday, right, I went out there to talk about election integrity. And you know what I ended up yeah. doing? What? I ended up calling and telling every man in the audience, stand up. And I had him stand up and I had him shake hands with the people to the left and to the right. So you had a couple thousand people where you had these men that were there shaking hands. And I go, you're women and children. You're, you're chasing the wrong thing. You're like, oh, I got to work. I actually think, and, and this is going to be very controversial. I know how you feel about this. That's why I'm asking you this question. I actually think we have to get in the streets. I actually believe that we're going to have to stand on this doorstep for longer than two hours in a protest and say, look, we've had enough. You know, Professor Clemens said, hey, I'm just going to pitch a tent and get, you know, 10,000 people to pitch a tent outside of the legislator, legis the legislative uh, offices in Arizona. What, what do you think that's a possibility? Because I actually do. And the more and more people I talk to, I keep thinking about the fact that, you know, if we don't get them to move towards accountability and follow the rule of law, is there are we living in a place of lawlessness? Well, I do think that there's a, I have received word this afternoon of a something going on this Thursday uh, in Phoenix, the kind of rally, I don't think it's intended to be a permanent rally. What people do with it is their own business. I just want to emphasize staying peaceful. You know, they have such information dominance that if there's any violence, they're going to be able to cut and edit it and play it for, you know, for 150 times in a row for, you know, all, you know, for six months. And, and make us look like the bad guys. So we really want to be like Caesar's wife, above reproach, as Shakespeare put it. We want, want violence. So, and I, we have some really good moves. We have made, uh, there's Simone Gold, Dr. Gold has filed a very powerful lawsuit in Denver, Colorado, and federal district to stop vaccinations of everybody in the military, mandatory vaccinations if you've had COVID, well, it, the, given that the strength of two whistleblowers who came forward, two serving army officers, they are so powerful. It has now been expanded to be she's seeking an injunction for all mandatory vaccines across the military. Once we get it there, we'll be able to get it for the rest of the federal government. We're having pickups. 
And do you know, I mean, maybe Joe Biden can tell you about pickups in Georgia and Wisconsin. Just came out, there's 23,000 in Wisconsin. They just determined, what was that that came across yesterday? 23,000 uh, voters registered to one telephone. And there's actually a whole bunch of that in Nevada too, frankly. More like a few it's a very busy number. It's a very busy yes. number. That came out yesterday. And Georgia isn't Joe Biden. Can you what can you say about Georgia? What do you know about Georgia? Or can you not say anything? Georgia's technically technically a go. It's all down to Amaro of what he's going to do. Unfortunately, the setback we had, uh, this was just before the Arizona release is the attorneys uh, that are opposing the audit came in and basically said they did do a full investigation of fraud and didn't find anything. And when the judge found out that the counsel was actually lying, it had never happened, he actually challenged them, you've got 20 days to show that proof. And so now their little clock is ticking to show what they did investigation-wise. Either way, it's going to be a double-edged sword for them because they didn't do any However, it has punted the ball again, uh, and each time we wait with bated breath just to get in and get the ballots, which are just waiting for us. We've been finding more and more almost every week. More, more than enough votes have already been found that are duplicated just by looking at the cast vote records to completely undo everything in Georgia. But there's still court dates to happen that are coming up. This concludes part one of the episode. Make sure you check out part two.